Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Saturday, October 6, 2018, and welcome to episode number 125 of the WCWS Radio Network's weekly review show. This is WCWS Power Hour. Once again, this is Mr. WCWS Chad Hinshaw back on the line here with you. Apologies for starting a little bit late here, but of course, with uh, with uh, a lot of errands going on, of course, a lot of folks who do understand where I'm coming from on this. So. But, uh, but we are on here now, and we'll take a little bit past the 7 o'clock hour tonight as, of course, we run down, as, of course, we do what we normally do best here, and that is talk about, of course, the world of professional wrestling. Uh, of course, we'll be playing a little bit alone here tonight. As, of course, you know, the rest of the panel, way too tough to handle. We'll be actually, uh, we'll be on here uh, here in the next couple hours. As, of course, we, as of course, we will have a... Have a, uh, of course, another edition of WCWS Wrestling Championship Challenge. As a, and I will talk more about that here in just a few moments. In the meantime, here, folks, uh, I'm going to bring in information here, of course. If you'd like to join us here on 125 of Power Hour here tonight, feel free to give us a call, 1 605 562 Once again, 1 605 562 Call ID 141-364-POUND and press that one if you want to chime in on anything and everything that we do have to talk about here tonight, which, of course, will include today here in wrestling history, of course, also wrestling birthdays as well. Plus, also, we'll be running down what took place here in the radio network here this week and also, of course, a, a rundown of some of your top wrestling stories, including, of course, obviously, the big the big one, obviously, it has to be, of course, what happened earlier this morning. <clears throat> for the WWE Network, of course, the event in Australia, of course, WWE Super Showdown. And we'll talk more about that here, of course, as the show does go on here tonight. So let's go ahead and get things here rolling here as we start things off. <clears throat> go ahead and start off, like I said, with... Uh, 
our wrestling history here for today, October the 6th, which is actually divided into two different parts. And we'll explain why that is the case here in just a few moments. Let's go ahead and see what we have here on tap here for today. 21, <clears throat> 21 years ago today, which included that 1997, WWF's Raw is War gets stomped in the ratings by WCW Monday Nitro, but the WWF show creates the bigger impression with a pair of controversial moments. In one segment, Jim Cornette shoots on WCW. He made these comments previously on his WWF.com audio show, and Vince McMahon decided to let him air his grievances to a larger audience. And folks, like I said, let's go ahead and uh, we got we got the text right here, but let's let Mr. Cornette speak for himself here on this moment back in 1997. You know, a lot of things in the wrestling world make me cranky these days, especially the way that some talent is treated and some talent is looked at by not only the promoters, but the wrestling fans as well. For example, a man like Arn Anderson, who just had to retire from this sport after giving it his entire life because of an injury that he suffered. A guy like Nature Boy Rick Flair, who in my opinion is one of the greatest talents in the history of this business. Guys like Mankind, Cactus Jack, Dude Love, whatever you want to call it, great talents in the WWF or WCW. But who gets a lot of the attention from the wrestling fans especially? Guys like the NWO, the New World Order. You know, all the fans think these guys are so cool and so sweet and so funny. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the NWO is like a bunch of guys meeting out in the backyard in a clubhouse in a tree. They're guys who all they have to they got the easiest job in the world. All they have to do is go out there and be themselves. Childish, obnoxious, adolescent guys with a case of severe arrested emotional development and a fixation on trying to act macho. You got a guy like Kevin Nash, 40 years old, trying to act like a teenager. As far as I'm concerned, the biggest no talent in the business. He's got six moves, no mobility, and enough time to come up cover up for some of them. But what he does is he goes around and he manipulates. Kevin Nash had a multi-million dollar promotional company to WWF, push him to the moon to make him a star, and then what does he do? He leaves after he gets reported saying, so by the way, he's a liar too. He leaves, he goes to WCW for a big contract. Why? More on that later. You got a guy like Scott Hall, who's a good wrestler, but good's about it. He's the best of the bunch, but he has the same million dollar promotional company, makes him a star after he's been in this business 10 years without putting three asses in the seat. And what does he do? He goes to WCW for a big contract. Why? More on that later. And then you've got a guy, what, six, one, two, three, kid. His name's Sean Walkman, whatever you want to call him. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the only reason that he's employed is because the other guys think that he's funny when he gets drunk and throws up on himself. He has the distinction, in case you haven't noticed, of being the only guy since this wrestling war got started that was released from a valid contract for one company to go to the other side, which shows you how valuable he is. You know why they're all employed, why they're all in the spot they are today? Because of Eric Bischoff. The boss of WCW, not the NWO. Look at the credits on your pay-per-view if you can get one for free. The idiot's name is on it. He's the boss of WCW. He works for Ted Turner, and he throws a billionaire's money around just like water so that he can have guys that he likes to hang out with. Because even more than being a mark, yeah, for his own face and his own voice, Eric Bischoff is a guy who's a big fan of hanging around suddenly guys with long hair and beards that smoke cigars and ride Harley so that some of that can rub off on his little pansy-ass brain. So he takes that billionaire's money and he throws it around like water to buy guys that he can hang around with to prove that his Johnson is bigger than everybody else. And that's the sole reason that the NWO guys are employed. I think, me personally, that it's about time that the wrestling fans and the promoters, all of them in this business, started recognizing guys like Nature Boy Ric Flair, like Arn Anderson, 
like Cactus Jack, guys who bust their ass, who work hard and have ability and have talent to get where they are instead of a bunch of guys that get to their spot by hanging around with the boss and sucking up. I'm Jim Fournette, and that's my opinion. Fournette, <clears throat> of course, ladies and gentlemen, Cornette has since Cornette has since apologized. Of course, um, as of as of two years ago, apologized to Waltman. Of course, one uh, of course X Pac, we won't call him for comments relating to him. The commentaries will continue on WWF programming for most of the remainder of the year before returning to a managerial role in early 1998. In another segment, Vince McMahon interviewed Melanie Pillman, widow just a day after her husband Brian sadly was found dead in a hotel room in Bloomington, Minnesota, via satellite from her home. Melanie believed that the death should serve as a wake-up call, fearing that prescription drug abuse was the cause of his death. Autopsy letter concluded a heart condition that went undetected. It wasn't that much of a wake-up call, as many wrestlers fell victim to death by drug abuse since. Then it, get, then it got real uncomfortable as Vince asked how Melanie was going to support her kids. Needless to say, the segment was universally panned by critics and fans alike. Unsurprisingly, the interview won the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Award for most disgusting promotional tactic. The above video, of course, uh, is obviously the 10 bell salute to Brian Pillman that opened Raw is War. And let's, and of course, actually, let, let, let's play that out of respect, of course, to the one and only Brian Pillman. Let's play that as well. The worldwide leader in sports entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Last night, yesterday afternoon, Brian Pillman was found dead in a hotel room in Bloomington, Minnesota. He had competed the night before in St. Paul. This tragic occurrence obviously has shocked all of us here in the World Wrestling Federation. So with that in mind, the WWE superstars have put aside the personal differences for a moment, as we would ask you as well to please all rise, please stand, and as we told the bell 10 times, out of respect to the late Brian Pillman. survival as he endured the pain of 36 
cutthroat operations. For Brian, life was a competition, and he lived like he competed, as if there were no tomorrow. When coaches told Brian he was too small to compete in sports, he chose to play football. Brian earned an athletic scholarship at Miami of Ohio, then went on to become an All-American. In 1984, he was passed over in the NFL draft, but Philbin walked into the Cincinnati Bengals training camp, made the team, and won the prestigious Headlock Courage Award. Injuries cut his football career short, so Philbin took on a new challenge. He trained the legendary Hart family and found his true calling. Brian Philbin reveled in the athleticism and outrageousness of being a superstar. It suited his lifestyle. Then life threw him another challenge. A horrific accident with a drunk driver was nearly fatal. Brian's leg and ankle were shattered. His wrestling career was seemingly over. As usual, Philbin refused to quit. His shattered ankle was fused into one position, and despite constant pain, he returned to the ring. Ironically, Brian was most proud of that which came without a struggle, the love of his wife Melanie and his five young children. His battle with life ended tragically Sunday in a hotel room in Bloomington, Minnesota. But Brian Pillman's legacy of courage will live forever. Very, very respectful indeed to, of course, to the late Brian Pillman. Of course, as you know, passed away shortly before that, before a bad blood in your house took place that year in 1997. 19 years ago today, ladies and gentlemen, 19, on 1999, Robert James Gino Morella, best known to the wrestling world as Gorilla Monsoon, sadly died of heart failure brought on by complications by diabetes in his home in Willingboro Township, New Jersey. He was only 62 years old. Born June 4th, 1937 in Rochester, New York, Morello was a three-sport athlete in high school and despite weighing over 300 pounds, was affectionately called tiny by his teammates. At the University of Ithaca, he set school records in college wrestling and finished second in the 1959 NCAA championships. During the summer months, Morello worked in construction. One of the buildings he helped construct was the Rochester War Memorial, where he's now part of their wrestling Hall of Fame. Morella, after college, began working for New York promoter Pedro Martinez. Debuting as Italian-American babyface Gino Morella, he gained a modicum of popularity, but his monster heel gimmick caught fire. Saying that six foot five and 350 pounds and now growing a beard, Gino Morella became Gorilla Monsoon, a terrifying giant of a man born on an isolated farm in Manchuria that spoke no English, ate raw meat, and drank the blood of his victims. His heel gimmick got over with fans, as in fans were legit afraid of him, and found himself face-to-face -face with Bruno San Martino for the WWF Championship in 1963 in Jersey City, New Jersey. Monsoon won by DQ, sent off a series of matches in Madison Square Garden between the two. Around this time, the WWF, the dominant promotion in the, nor in the northeastern United States, broke away from the NWA. Morello would strike a friendship with WWF owner Vincent J. McMahon, of course, the father of Vince McMahon, and became a one-sixth shareholder of the company. 
Morella as Monsoon would become one of the company's top heels, and despite weighing over 400 pounds, often kept up with San Martino, wrestling the WWF champion to a number of one-hour draws. Monsoon teamed with Killer Kowalski and briefly held the United States Tag Team titles, and in the late 1960s became the first and possibly only team to defeat Bruno San Martino and Victor Rivera. As a babyface in the 1970s, he feuded with superstar Billy Graham, Killer Kowalski, Ernie Big Cat Lad, and as a heel again in 1977, he faced Andre the Giant. He even airplane spinned and slammed Muhammad Ali in 1976 in Philadelphia. In June 1980, in front of a rabid Madison Square Garden crowd, Hulk Hogan quickly defeated Monsoon, and the rabid crowd became unruly, chasing Hogan out of the building and tipping over his car. In August 1980, after losing to Ken Patera, Monsoon retired from full-time competition. He would wrestle just four times more, last competing in an old-timers battle royal in 1987, which was won by Lou Thez. In 1980, 1982, Vincent K. McMahon, of course we now know him as Vince McMahon, took over his father's company, but was asked by his father to take care of his longtime employees that were loyal to him. Vince Jr. did so by buying Morella shares in exchange for guaranteed lifetime employment. In addition to being a confidant of the younger McMahon, Juno would pair up on commentary with Jesse the Body Ventura, calling five of the first six WrestleManias together. When Ventura left in 1990, Monsoon would be paired with another charismatic heel in Bobby the Brain Heeman. The duo would form a real friendship away from the ring and booth with Heenan speaking of Monsoon highly during his Hall of Fame speech in 2004. Monsoon's pro-babyface voice of reason would seemingly seamlessly mesh with Ventura's and Heenan's pro-heel commentary. Monsoon would often would serve as lead commentator for four WWF programs in the 1980s and 90s, All-Star Wrestling, Wrestling Challenge, All-American Wrestling, and Primetime Wrestling. He also served as the co-host of Georgia Championship Wrestling with Vincent Mann for a brief period. Many of Monsoon's quips would become part of wrestling lore. Of course, for example, he would always say, history has been made, right in the kisser, Pearl Harbor job, will you stop, and the most famous one, the irresistible force meaning the immovable object. Monsoon stepped away from the lead commentary position at WrestleMania 9 to make room for Jim Ross, would call pay-per-views for WWF radio. He returned to TV commentary briefly in the summer and fall of 1994, calling that year's King of the Ring with Randy Savage and Survivor Series with Vince McMahon. Morella transitioned once again to a backstage role, appearing frequently on WWF programming and becoming the on-screen authority figure in the summer of 1995. Roddy Piper was briefly WWF on-screen president in early 1996 before Monsoon assumed the post again. Health concerns forced Monsoon to step away from the role in the summer of 1997. Monsoon's final TV appearance was at WrestleMania 15, where he was introduced to a standing ovation as one of the three judges for the Brawl for All match. Morella was married to his wife, Maureen, for more than 40 years and had three children together, one of them adopted. Their adopted son, Joey Morella, was killed in an auto accident on the New Jersey 10th Turnpike in 1994 after refereeing a WWF event, just one month after Monsoon was inducted into the WWF Hall of Fame. On October 6, 1999, sadly, Morella died of heart failure brought on by complications of diabetes. He was only 62. 
He, Gino, of course, as he, as he was called, was buried next to his son in Cinnamonson, New Jersey. Both WWF and WCW paid tribute to Monsoon following his death, with Vincent Man calling Monsoon on the Rawls War <clears throat> following his death, one of the greatest men he'd ever known. Monsoon's legacy lives on in the wrestling world. Of course, recently retired Anthony Corelli was given the gimmick name Santino Morella when he debuted in the WWE in 2007 as a tribute to Gorilla. The staging area just before the entrance was often where, where Gorilla was found at WWF events and is now appropriately named the Gorilla position. Monsoon is also a member of the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame class of 2010 and a member of the Professional Wing of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame class of 2011. A good tribute out there to the one and only Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, 11 years ago today, we'll put it at, two, at uh, 2007 in Edison, New Jersey. Nigel McGinnis defeated Takeshi Morishima to win the ROH world title. Seven years ago today, we'll put it at 2011. Bruce Pritchard replaced Vince Russo as head of creative for TNA. Just over a year later, he would be promoted to senior vice president of programming and talent relations, effectively putting him in charge of TNA's talent. Pritchard would be released in July of 2013. Of course, if you don't, if that name is not familiar to a lot of wrestling fans out there, back in the back in the 80s and 90s, he was known at, in the WWF as Brother Love. Six years ago today, we put it at 2012 in Providence, Rhode Island. Dave Batista made his MMA debut in a first-round knockout victory over Vince Lucero at a CES MMA event. It would be the only MMA bout for the former WWE World Champion. Five years ago, five years ago today, I put it at 2013, WWE presented Battleground from the first Niagara Center in Buffalo, New York. 11,700 were in attendance, with just over 114,000 watching on pay-per-view. It's the least bought pay-per-view for WWE since December to Dismember in 2006 making the theme song for the event very appropriate, The Mighty Fall. The show was a runaway winner of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter's worst major show of 2013. I thought it was pretty good myself, but, but uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's wrestling fans talking against, of course, Wrestling Observer Newsletter. So there you go. Here are the matches that took place at this event. In a pre-show match, Dolph Ziggler defeated Damian Sandow. And as for the card... Alberto Del Rio defeated RVD in a battleground hardcore rules match to retain the world heavyweight title. The Real Americans, Jack Swagger and Cesaro, defeated Santino Morella and the Great Khali. Curtis Axel defeated R-Truth to retain the Intercontinental title. AJ Lee defeated Brie Bella to retain the Divas title. Cody Rhodes and Goldust defeated The Shield in the form of Rollins and Reigns. As a result of the win, Cody Rhodes and Goldust would be reinstated by WWE had they lost. They, along with Dusty Rhodes, would have been banned from WWE for life. Bray Wyatt defeated Kofi Kingston. CM Punk defeated Ryback. And Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton fought to a no contest for the vacant WWE title. Three years ago today, put it at 2015, Matt Hardy vacates the TNA World Heavyweight title. The announcement comes just hours after former champion Ethan Carter III filed an injunction against Hardy appear on impact with the title belt due to what occurred at Bound for Glory. And this is what Ethan Carter said. Hello, my name is Ethan Carter III, the third of my name. The only undefeated world champion in TNA history. 
And as preposterous as as this as this is to say, the only undefeated former world champion in wrestling history. For two years, I've been in TNA. That I've been in TNA, I have thrived and succeeded. Like many, I started at the very bottom. I had to earn my successes. Fortunately, I was blessed with determination, resolution, a formidable skill set, and most importantly, unwavering fan support. Through these gifts, I, the world watched on July 1st, 2015, EC3, that be me, defeat the greatest champion of our time, Kurt Angle, and culminate a life's work of becoming the world champion. One does not take that honor lightly. As my reign as champion began, I made a promise to wrestling fans across the globe that the sanctity of that title would be upheld. The world title would be contested with one thing in mind, fair competition. Well, fair competition is not what transpired on October 4th, 2015 in Charlotte, North Carolina. Collusion is defined as secret cooperation for an illegal purpose and in the court of public opinion that allowed me to present you with the facts. The owner of the company, with her own interest in mind, changed, changed the originally scheduled EC3 versus Galloway World title match to a triple threat after the contracts were signed. Now, next part, the owner of the company changed the official of the contest without giving the champion more than one week's notification. The official is not only a disgruntled former employee of the champion, but also the freaking brother of the challenger. The official was directly involved in the match's conclusion by assaulting the champion. Those were simply the facts. These facts, this evidence of collusion was enough that my legal team saw and was granted an injunction via the Seventh Circuit Court that prevents Matt Hardy from appearing on the Impact Wrestling as TNA World Champion. Matt Hardy has two options now. Relinquish the title to my possession, striking your win from the record books, and I will see it, I will see if it, you will have a one-on-one -on -one match in a fair setting or never appear on TNA television again. I am the champion this company needs. And even though this tumultuous time, even through this tumultuous time, I still feel deserves. Justice will be served. The story, of course, KFAB, of course, played out over the course of the day with Hardy ultimately agreeing to vacate the title. In reality, TNA ran this story to cover for its then uncertain future, as there were no plans or money to take new shows. The next day, they announced a world title series would take place over the remainder of the year in a World Cup-style tournament. The group stage and a portion of the knockout round used footage from unaired one night only pay-per-view events already taped with the final four taking place on the first impact of 2016. Ethan Carter III would defeat Matt Hardy in the final. Today is a happy <clears throat> happy 54th birthday today to, to of course, at the, should say now former TNA owner, chairman, and chief strategy officer Dixie Carter Salinas. Born in Dallas, Carter graduated from the University of Mississippi in 1986 with a Bachelor's of Business Administration. While in college, she worked as an intern for a marketing and advertising firm, Levinson & Hill. She would join the firm full-time following graduation, and, just, and at just age 32, became the firm's vice president. Three years prior, she started her own business in Nashville, focusing on sports and music representation. In 2002, Carter joined TNA Wrestling in marketing and publicity. Late in that year, Carter was contacted by founder and part owner Jeff Jarrett as promotion was in dire straits. Its primary health backer, HealthSouth, was being investigated for accounting irregularities and needed money. Carter contacted her parents, Bob and Janice, the owners of Dallas-based energy company Panda Energy International. In October 2002, Panda Energy purchased a 71% stake 
in TNA for just $250,000, which would be at in 2016, $334,704 a day when adjusted for inflation. Also, J Sports and Entertainment would be renamed TNA Entertainment. Early the next year, Carter was appointed as president, a position she held until August of 2016 when Billy Corgan took over the post. Carter remained on with the company as his chairman and chief strategy officer. Carter sporadically appeared on TNA programming until becoming a somewhat regular on-screen authority figure in 2010. She lost her authority in a coup perpetrated by Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. She would regain said authority at Battle for Glory in October 2011 when Sting defeated Hulk Hogan. In 2012, Carter was the focus of a storyline when she was accused of having an affair with AJ Styles by Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Daniels and Kazarian re revealed compromising footage of the two together. Carter's real-life husband, Cirque Salinas, made an appearance during the storyline knocking out AJ Styles. It turned out to be a misunderstanding as they were held with a mutual friend, Claire Lynch, worked through her drug addiction. Carter returned to television in September 2013 to respond to AJ Styles' comments on how she ran the company. Styles had the opportunity to respond, but had the light shut off on him as Mike cut off by Carter, essentially turning her heel. Soon after, she ripped Styles' new contract and gave Hulk Hogan an ultimatum to join the Dixie train. Hogan declined and quit the company altogether. Despite her machinations to prevent Styles from defeating Bully Ray from the TNA world title, AJ would win the title. Dixie tried to make peace with Styles by offering a new contract, but Styles left, taking the title with him. An interim champion was crowned at final resolution with Magnus defeating Jeff Hardy in the Dixieland match with the help of Rockstar Spud and Dixie's storyline nephew, Ethan Carter III. Magnus would unify the titles when he defeated AJ Styles in January 2014 in what would be Styles' final TNA match. Soon after, Carter feuded with, with storyline investor MVP over control of the company. MVP would win control on his team, which, is, which consisted of himself, the Wolves, and Willow. Willow was an alter ego of Jeff Hardy. Defeated Carter's team, and it was in the form of Bobby Roode, Austin Aries, and the Bromans. In a lethal lockdown match. Special referee Bully Ray, supposedly insurance for Carter, interfered on Team MVP's behalf. Afterwards, Bully Ray developed an obsession of putting her through a table. Bully would do just that on the August 7th episode though the incident was originally recorded in late June. Carter atoned for her actions for the past year and a half on the July 8th, 2015 episode of Impact. Hey, my birthday, okay. Claiming she was on a power trip and that the company belonged not to her or her nephew, but the fans. Her remarks essentially turned her face. Carter, of course, as at this point, is married to Serge Salinas, a music producer for TNA, and the couple has two children. Well, this was as of 2016, folks. So you gotta, you gotta keep that in mind here. That was a couple years ago. So, <clears throat> so thank you, right? So uh, that's one part of it right there. But ladies and gentlemen, we have another part here to talk about here. Of course, another birthday. Of course, a big time birthday here indeed. Today is a happy, what would have been his 80, let's see. Yes, 83rd birthday for the living legend, Bruno Leopoldo Francesco San Martino, or we'll just call him Bruno San Martino because everyone else knows, of course. Born in Pizza Ferradio, Ferrado, Italy, San Martino was the youngest of seven children, four of whom died before he came to America. San Martino survived German forces and rheumatic fever 
and eventually moved to the States in 1950 to live with his father. When he first arrived, he spoke no English and was physically frail, making him an easy target for bullies. Eventually, San Martino would take an interest in weight training and bodybuilding, so much so he nearly landed on the U.S. Olympic team in 1956, beaten out by legendary strongman Paul Anderson. In 1959, San Martino, without wearing elbow or wrist wraps, would break the bench press world record with a 565-pound lift. His strongman stunts would make him a star in the Pittsburgh area, and it caught the eye of local wrestling promoter Rudy Miller. Miller's idea was to market him as an ethnic strongman, one that could easily gain the support of Italian immigrants. Bruno May's professional debut in December 1959 with a 19-second win over Dmitry Grabowski. He followed up with a quick victory for Miguel Torres for Spectator Sports, a local wrestling promotion in the Pittsburgh area. He made his Madison Square Garden debut for Capital Wrestling in January 1960, defeating Bull Curry. By the summer, he would headline MSG shows by teaming with Antonio Roca. Bruno made headlines both in a good way and in a bad way in 1961. In February, San Martino was involved in a match with Chick Garibaldi. Following a body slam, Chick's eyes rolled up inside his head. By the time the referee checked on him, he was already dead. Though it turned out Chuck had a heart attack, San Martino said it took him many years to get over the incident. Later in the year, San Martino became the only man to lift the 640-pound Haystacks Calhoun. Tired of getting the shaft by Vincent Mann Sr., Bruno left the Capital Wrestling promotion to work for Cola Corlani. Iorni. There you go. The low attendance, pressure from the New York Athletic Commission, and advice from Rudy Miller made San Martino go back. He was treated even worse than the first time around. San Martino left for San Francisco and worked for Roy Shire, or so he thought. He was suspended almost upon arrival after skipping a match he was booked for in Baltimore due to him working about in Chicago that evening. Bruno worked as a laborer during his time away from the ring, but got back into the sport on the advice of Yukon Eric. He contacted promoter Frank Tunney as who became an attraction in the Toronto area thanks to their large Italian population. While in Toronto, he won his first championship, an international tag title with whipper Billy Watson, defeated NWA champion Buddy Rogers, and thought and thought Luthez twice, with one bout going to a draw. Suddenly, McMahon Sr. became very interested in San Martino. He and promoter Toots Mont cleared up the suspension and docked his $500 fine for future purses and eventually convinced San Martino to return to the WWWF. On May 17, 1963, Bruno San Martino needed just 48 seconds to defeat Buddy Rogers, become the WWF champion. Though Rogers claimed he had a heart attack in the days leading up to the match, Bruno says that both he and Rogers passed pre-match New York State Athletic Commission exams. The two would face each other in a tag team match two months later, with Rogers defeating San Martino in the deciding fall. They were to meet again in October in Jersey City, New Jersey, but instead faced Gorilla Monsoon. San Martino was so popular as champion that there was a possibility of merging the NWA and WWF championships with San Martino defeating Luthez to unify the titles. But Bruno ultimately killed the idea due to lack of downtime. September 1965, after a bout with Tarzan Tyler, San Martino went to eat at a Times Square restaurant. When he returned to his vehicle, his car window was shattered in his championship belt, valued at $10,000, in today's dollars would be $76,400, was stolen. To this day, the belt has never been recovered. Over the next seven years, 
seven-plus years as champion, San Martino headlined shows with nearly every top heel of the era, including Monsoon, Killer Kowalski, Giant Baba, Gene Kanitsky, Dr. Bill Miller, The Sheik, Freddie Blassie, Bill Watts, Waldo Von Erich, the Kentucky Butcher, and Georgiana Steele. He defended the title all over the world, including Australia, Spain, Mexico, and Japan. He was even granted a private audience with a pope in the Vatican. On January 18, 1971, after seven years, eight months, and a day, 2,803 total days, Ivan Koloff defeated San Martino for the title. The crowd at Madison Square Garden was in, was in such stunned silence, San Martino fought, thought for a moment that he lost his hearing. Koloff's reign wouldn't last long. He would lose the title to Pedro Morales just three weeks later, and Bruno was there to congratulate the new champion. In January 1972, San Martino won an $11,000, over $63,000 today, 22-man battle royal in Los Angeles that featured Rocky Johnson, Neil Mascaris, John Tolos, Haystacks Calhoun, and Ripper Collins. Later in the year, McMahon Sr. asked for San Martino back to regain the title from Pedro Morales. San Martino accepted, but only after being offered a percentage of all the gates and a decreased work schedule. Bruno would team the champion Morales. In one bout, Professor Tanaka blinded both men and maneuvered the duo into fighting one another. When their vision cleared up, they kept fighting. Much to the surprise of the crowd, the duo would meet at their first showdown at Shea on September 30, 1972. Despite the cold and rainy weather, it was one of the biggest draws for an outdoor wrestling show ever. San Martino and Morales went to a 75-minute draw. In December 1973, San Martino would win the WWF Championship again, this time from Stan Stasiak, who defeated Morales just nine days earlier. Bruno would feud with, among others, superstar Billy Graham, Ivan Koloff, Baron Von Raschke, Freddie Blassie, Kim Patera, Bruce Brody, and Stan Hansen, who broke San Martino's neck in an April 1976 bout. San Martino finished the bout and flew home to Pittsburgh that night against doctor's orders. He returned two months later to face Hansen on the undercard of an event that featured Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki. After taking some time off the heel, San Martino finished his feud with Hansen in a series of cage matches for the WWWF. At the height of his popularity, Bruno San Martino's payouts rivaled that of the highest paid athletes in other sports. With his injuries mounting up, Bruno informed Vince Sr. to take the title off of him on April 30th, 1977 in controversial fashion. Superstar Billy Graham defeated San Martino with his feet on the ropes to win the WWF title in Baltimore. Graham and San Martino would have an extended feud over the championship, with Graham escaping with the title every time. Their feud ended in a steel cage match in Philadelphia, where San Martino accidentally knocked a bloody Graham through the door. This is believed to be the only time Bruno lost a cage match. San Martino would tour the world following the end of his title reign, facing many stars of the era, including Killer Kowalski, whom he jobbed to to clean, a rarity for San Martino, Harley Race, whom he took to a one-hour draw, also Black Jack Mulligan, Lord Alfred Hayes, Dick Murdoch, and the crippler Ray Stevens. In 1980, Larry Zabisco, a former student of San Martino, turned on him during an exhibition, sent off an emotional feud that may have been in showdown in Shea in August with San Martino defeating Zabisco in a steel cage match. San Martino retired from full-time wrestling in 1981, after pinning George Animal Steel in his final match in the States and a tour in Japan. In 1984, during the weightlifting exhibition, when asked if he still watched wrestling, he said he was sitting by the direction of the product. Around that time, he found out through a fired employee 
that he had been cheated out of the gay percentages that he was promised of being senior. San Martino filed a lawsuit with Capital Wrestling Corporation and eventually settled with Vince Jr. As part of the settlement, San Martino returned to the company to do color commentary in exchange for the money he was owed. Primarily, he returned to help promote the career of his son, David San Martino, and he became out of retirement to do so, wrestling somewhat regularly from 1985 to 1987. Bruno would continue to do commentary for the WWF until March 1998. Around the time his son David was fired, allegedly for hitting a fan that spat on him. Post-retirement, Bruno openly criticized McMahon's product, particularly the use of performance-enhancing drugs and obscene wrestling angles. San Martino would work for the Universal Wrestling Federation, the Abrams version, and WCW during the late 1980s and early 1990s, and also appeared for Ring of Honor and TNA Wrestling in the 2000s. After declining on multiple occasions, San Martino accepted an induction into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2013. San Martino, of course, has been married to his wife Carol for more than 30 years, and they have three children, of course, David, Danny, and Daryl. Of course, the latter are fraternal twins. As of 2016, the couple still live in the Pittsburgh area, where they have been since 1965. San Martino is also a member of the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame class of 2002, a five-time PWI winner for Match of the Year, and a member of the inaugural Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame class in 1996. Of course, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, earlier this year, we did lose the legendary Bruno San Martino. So our happy birthday, of course, up there in heaven to the one and the only living legend himself. Bruno is Uno, as they used to say. So there you have it there, folks. Happy birthday today to Dixie Carter and also to Bruno San Martino here today. Thank you very much. And of course, let's bring in this one more, the number one more time here, folks. 1605 <clears throat> Call ID 141364 pound. <clears throat> this is episode 125 of WWS Power Hour for Saturday, September 6, 2018. October 6, excuse me, 2018. Excuse me, whoop a there. This is Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw here with you here tonight. And of course, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, our panel way too tough to handle. Of course, are busy resting and preparing. And of course, and the reason being is because in two hours, ladies and gentlemen, less than two hours, we will have another episode of WWS Wrestling Championship Challenge, where in addition, of course, uh, of course, as you know, a little bit, a couple things have been changed. Of course, we did mention this on Revolution here last night, that due to due to circumstances beyond, of course, our control. The Heartbreak Kid, Fonzie, sometime uh, right before Revolution went on the air yesterday, uh, gave us gave us word that he was relinquishing the WWS Iron Man Championship. And he and we were also informed, as I was given the belt sometime yesterday, that he was he had asked that we that he give it the belt to the person he was supposed to face here later tonight, the Black Widow Michelle Lynn Dodds. And so we did actually present her with the Iron Man title belt uh, last night, of course, on Revolution. And, of course, we will announce that again here, of course, coming up here tonight. But, ladies and gentlemen, there will be a there will be a wrestling championship challenge. We were concerned after this sudden announcement yesterday. We weren't going to have that. We weren't going to have this episode, but we are going to have officially a, a matchup here. Of course, a, 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 a deal was reached out here, of course, to two of our other members of the panel, way too tough to handle. And we have decided to have a title versus title matchup 
as the Empress Anne-Marie Rickenbach will be defending her WWUS YG, or Young Generation Championship, against the Iceman Jared DiGiolamo, who has agreed to defend his WWUS 2K Championship, which, of course, he just won here recently on, on our course, this past Wednesday's episode of Outside the Ropes. So the YG and the 2K titles will be a, a mistake where as the Empress and the Iceman will go one-on-one in a wrestling Jeopardy bout here, of course, ladies and gentlemen, indeed. And plus also, don't forget, 146507 pounds tonight. In addition to that matchup, we will also be announcing and talking about the official results, of course, of the prediction title challenge from, this, from of course, the Super Showdown 2018 uh, event. Of course, as you know, it came on the WWE Network here early this morning. And, of course, we'll be talking about uh, – We'll be talking about, of course, the results of all that. As you know, the Black Widow, Michelle Lynn Dodds, the Iceman, Jared DiGirolamo, the Human Suplex Machine, John Gross, and the Empress, Henry Rickenbach, did take part in this challenge to see who would become the next, who who would become actually the new NXT US United Kingdom champion. And, of course, we'll let you know those results here, of course, before before our match tonight on Wrestling Championship Challenge at 9 o'clock. So be sure to join us for that then. But it'll all be a, it'll all be a very impressive matchup here indeed. So, folks, let's go ahead and get you a quick rundown here of what will be taken of what took place here this past week here in the Radio Network. Of course, also of course, uh, everything from of course our our thoughts and predictions of the main event and what we believe the main event and also what the ratings would be for this past Monday night's Raw. Of course, on Raw Radio, plus also. Plus, of course, more big time talk from JD, JD, uh, John, and the gang there, of course, on Raw Radio. Uh, of course, also, uh, we did talk about what took place, or our thoughts and opinions on what took place on Monday Night Raw this past Monday. Uh, <clears throat> to, of course, uh, like I said, what took place on SmackDown. Of course, we did that on Wednesday's edition of Revolution. Of course, on Outside the Ropes, as I did mention, of course, the Ultimate Movie Trivia Challenge uh, World Title. And the WWS 2K title was on the line. JD was defending the UMTC title <clears throat> against, of course, in a rubber match against the human suplex machine, John Gross, with, of course, both belts being at stake. JD did retain and also did pick up the WWS 2K belt. Uh, <clears throat> of course, a lot of discussions and debates, I'm sure, on wrestling debate, of course, coming up, came on about Raw and SmackDown, and, of course, also Super Showdown, which was going to be coming up here today. Um, also, like I said, Revolution, we did talk about SmackDown, what happened on SmackDown Tuesday night, plus some other fun stuff here. We did some fancy matchups during the week. We did a couple of round robins of, of course, of, of of course, what we use now before all of our trivia title matchups on the on Championship Challenge, and that is the bonus game from the 70s game show Tic Tac Go. Uh, of course, for the opportunity for folks to earn some points uh, going into the trivia title matches. We were doing this for fun to see how everybody everybody enjoyed it, and of course everyone did agree. Uh, this 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 match this would definitely work out for each match. So someone would like to have it will help it will it would help both combatants. But of course, like I said, which one would have benefited the most? And of course, like I said, this we, we've had it in effect for the last couple of episodes of Wrestling Championship Challenge, and of course it's worked out pretty well. Of course, folks, we talked about uh, more and more about the Super Showdown. Uh, of course, on NWO Wolfpack, of course, our live video feeds this past week. Um, of course, 
this week I do like I said one thing GCWS beginning of a dream WCCWS forever strong WWE heel turns and of course last night WCWS dynasty we're of course having the live video feeds for the Tuesday Wednesday and Friday editions of revolution and the Thursday edition of NWO Wolfpack uh, of course like I said a great great show is all around here but held by everyone of course, like I said, uh, we did have the Heartbreak Kid Fonzie, the Ice Manager, the Raw Mode, the Super Machine, John Gross, the Empress Anne Marie Rickenbach. Of course, <clears throat> of course, uh, uh, the Black Widow Michelle Lynn Dodds as well. And plus, we had, uh, of course, several other folks pop on as well to give their take on everything that took place. But all in all, there were some great moments here that we had was held by all through all of our shows here this week. Um, so, so, like I said, be sure to go back and listen to some of those past episodes here, and you'll definitely like to so you would not be disappointed as to what we all talked about, indeed. And so, folks, let's bring you, like I said, as, as I will end, we'll close it out here momentarily. Let's bring you, of course, like I said, uh, uh, of course, we won't talk about anything having to do with Super Showdown until Raw Radio coming up. Uh, Uh, but we're, we're going to bring you a couple of stories here on, of course, like I said, um, on CorelaMania.com. Read their story, all of our shows. Radio. So let's, let's go ahead. A couple of couple of wrestling stories making the rounds here. Uh, uh, a couple of quick stories here before we call it a day here. Joseph Lee brings this brings this story here tonight. Apparently, of course, Taz is after the recent concussion suffered by Riot Squad member. What happened? Let's, let's see what let's see what Taz says up here. The former center, all this kind Sorry, I thought about. Incident where she kicked Liv, Liv in the jaw area on the button and knocked her out. Stuff happens, guys. Uh, I know there's been a couple different things where people have gotten banged up or injured or what have you working with Bella, and I understand that. But for people to say you got to be, you got to get retrained, and all that stuff, I got to be honest. This girl's been working a long time. She has a certain. I've known her and her sister Nikki Bella a long time. 
worked in the company with them when I was there. They've been there that long. Sometimes people get banged up. It happens, man. This is a physical game. I've never worked with her, but watching her, and I've worked with some people that are physical. And people will look at some people as dangerous that I've worked with, and some people will deem me as dangerous when I work. All the BS. That kick to the face of Liv, like I said, listen, the timing issue, the timing was off, and it's that simple. The timing was off. It's a shame that it happened, and it seems like Liv was okay, which is great. I know she was in concussion protocol and all that jazz, and I think she was on the house show loop or TVs, but she wasn't working. She was seconding on the outside of the riot spot. I can't sit here or or, or say or or rip or not or bury or whatever about Brie Bella that she needs to do that that she needs to do this, needs to do that, needs to get better, needs to work different. I can't. I can't do it. I don't care how much stuff she's been a part of where people got banged up. She's been working a long time. I know when I worked in the same company, no one ever deemed her or, or her sister dangerous. So I can't sit here and say that, and, and, and say that. Maybe there are some wrestlers or retired wrestlers that are, are saying this about her. There could be so part of my ignorance if that's if that's what's going on. I know all I know is this: anybody for the most part, I don't want to say anybody, but I would say that the bulk of the men and women that do this for a living at a high level understand that this stuff happens. It's really that. I'm just being frank. This stuff does does happen. It's really that simple. And it doesn't mean that someone is bad at their job. It really doesn't. I just wanted to get that off my chest. You don't need that rep. It sounds like she has that rep already, which kind of stinks for her. And like I said, that, that's news to me. I never looked at her like someone else that was dangerous. I never heard that about her. So like I said, Brie Bella has a supporter, of course, in Taz after the incident that happened with her and uh, uh, um, about the incident involving Brie Bell and Liv Morgan from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, let's see here. Uh, one, one other one other story here. Let's see what we have right here. Some WWE news being reported from Joseph Lee. WWE tweets at The Rock for SmackDown 1000. And also highlights from week three of the Mixed Match Challenge. WWE posted a message about SmackDown 1000, which is 10 days away, and tagged The Rock in it. As Portland Mania previously reported, WWE has been trying to get the great one to appear at the event. Finally, it's almost here. Hashtag SmackDown 1000 at The Rock. This was said by WWE here today. at one o'clock this afternoon. WWE has posted a video with highlights of week three of the mixed match challenge. And of course, like I said, we did see that. We did see what happened, of course, like, as you know, of course, with the situation going on with Rusev, Lana, and Aiden English. Of course, that really kind of affected their match, of course, with, of course, with Jimmy Uso and Naomi getting the win over them. Of course, uh, like I said, we'll have to wait and see if The Rock, you know, you know, comes uh Rock decides to uh uh Rock will make it on there. I mean, I don't think it would be SmackDown without The Rock, in my personal opinion. But that Joseph Lee has some more WWE news right here. 
as Johnny Gargano says he wants to have a match against Daniel Bryan. Also, Charlie Caruso comments on move to ESPN and stepping heights evolution. Of course, the evolution pay-per-view, of course, coming up at the end of this month. What's going on here? Johnny Gargano spoke with Alex McCarthy of Give Me Sport via Wrestling Inc. and said there's three dream opponents in WWE are Daniel Bryan, AJ, and Seth Rollins. He said this. Obviously, that's a dream. A lot of people will love to see now. I think I just posted a tweet recently that the, that the internet went nuts for. That's me and Seth Rollins because I wore my Captain America. He just wore the Thanos here. Of course, I'd be AJ Styles. I'm going strictly on wrestling dream matches for some people. If we're going story, there may be a different answer, but if we're going strictly wrestling dream matches, those are my three right there. Maybe we'll get to see that with, with that. <clears throat> of course, Alex McCarthy posted this on his Twitter account at AlMac uh, underscore GMS. I asked at Johnny Gargano what three superstars he would like to face in a long and in, in a long program, a la Gargano Chiampa on the main roster one day. And of course, and of course, he says here, uh, uh, and it says there, I think you'll agree that these three picks must happen. Of course, like I said, we may get to see it at some point. I would love to see Johnny Gargano face like either, like I said, AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, or like we said. As Sportlove and Mania previously reported, me there, folks. Charlie Caruso has joined ESPN, but will stay with WWE as well. She wrote about the move in a new post on Instagram. She wrote the following: "Congratulations. This is on WWE's. This is on Charlie Caruso's Instagram account. This was a tweet by W. This was sunset by WWE says." Congratulations to at Charlie Caruso WWE on the double duty as at WWE interviewer and the newest employee of at ESPN. And of course, she'll be on. Says here she'll be on SportsCenter. This was said one day ago. Charlie Caruso WWE says, "But I'm so incredibly blessed this morning. It's tough to pull my emotions into words. Not only did I get to work for one amazing company, I get to work for two and live out a career I once only dreamed about." For those who don't know, I worked in local news for about five years. Sitcom man, band, news reporter in Huntington, Charleston, West Virginia, meaning I carried around a camera, tripod, and microphone and covered all my stories by myself, all the stories I have. Then I was a morning live news reporter in Kansas City, Missouri. Then I went back to my hometown of Indianapolis as a sports work as a sports anchor slash reporter. I was always a sports fan, but it was in Indy that I realized how much I belonged working in sports. After deciding I wanted to leave Indy, I was unemployed for about four months and co-hosted the Bob and Tom show in Indianapolis for about six weeks, which was a blast. And in the meantime, I started shooting a YouTube video in my spare bedroom called Back Talk Ball. The episodes are still online. A little while later, WWE saw my work, brought me in for an audition, and then thankfully brought me on board where I entered into the world of sports entertainment. What a wild ride that has been. I've learned so much, traveled all over the world, and have met so many wonderful people with WWE. More, most importantly, they've allowed me to, to, allowed me to be me and have provided great leaders for me to prosper and grow as a broadcaster. Now, here I am with the ability to work at both WWE and ESPN. 
I can't think of a better fit for the team and a huge thank you to WWE for allowing me to do both. I know there's a lot to overlap between the two worlds, and I'm so excited for this new adventure of calling hashtag double duty, which of course hashtag WWE, hashtag ESPN, hashtag sports center, hashtag sports, hashtag entertainment, hashtag reporter, hashtag host, hashtag anchor, hashtag television, hashtag hard hard work, hashtag TV, hashtag career, hashtag dream, hashtag hard work pays off, hashtag dream big. Hashtag adventure, hashtag thankful. <clears throat> and also, on stepping and Stephen McMahon tweeted a video to hype WWE's upcoming Evolution video. Uh, of course, uh, it was at 1:11 p.m. this afternoon. She said on her personal Twitter account at Steph McMahon, says undeniable courage, unmatched passion, unbridled talent. The hashtag women's evolution is here and making history every single day. Hashtag WWE evolution. Let's hear what this video from Stephanie McMahon. A revolution started in the WWE. And because of you, the Divas Division became the Women's Division. All of you have inspired people all over the world with your courage, with your passion, with your unbridled talent. Women competed in the Middle East for the first time in WWE. The chant was this is hope. This is hope. I think that WWE is social commentary for the world. And to affect real social change, this is the place to do it. I grew up watching women's wrestling. And I knew this is what I wanted to do. This has been a dream since I was a little girl. Realizing how far we've come. <laughs> so many girls from the past, these same female wrestlers it didn't start with two women or four women or six women it took every woman from the day WWE wrestling until now and i was like i hope that one day i get to change the way people look at us when i first got signed i said i want to make women's wrestling the coolest thing on tv we want it to be as good as them. It's not like, you're a girl, you can't do this. No, you go in there like Wonder Woman and you're gonna come. Times have changed and our women's division is in the middle of a women's revolution in WWE, which is in the middle of a women's revolution in the world. She knows how important it really is. It's so empowering. I was born to do this. Every woman in the company who has a gift and ability and a desire to succeed should be able to do that. This is our time as women to show that we can make the best, we can deliver. We do this together and we push each other to be the best. And that's not just for us now, it's for the women to come. Every generation of women took the torch and carried it until it's time for you can do anything. You just have to believe in yourself. No one can take your shine away. We're all stars, and that's what we are. Women are stars. All of these girls are going to see this and know that they can accomplish anything in the world. 
because it is about showing today's generation that they can be and do anything. Of course, it was a great video that I saw there. Of course, personal there, folks. Let me tell you, that was a great, great video there, indeed, that was done. Hyping this, of course, on coming up on October 28th, the Sunday before Halloween, folks. Definitely check that out and all that. As you'll see, female competitors from not only the present, but also from the past as well. Some competing, some just being there. And, of course, some up there in spirit, or, of course, they're no longer with us, being a, being a part of something huge, of course, <clears throat> in the world of, of sports entertainment, or what we like to still call professional wrestling. On that note here, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to thank thank you for listening here uh, here to, of course, like I said, and I'll again, start with a little bit of the late arrival, but of course, you know, that, but, but of course, we did, of course, get it in here tonight, and I do want to, of course, encourage everyone to, of course, stick around in about an hour and a half, as we, of course, we'll get preparations made for the now, title versus title match on tonight's episode of WCWS Wrestling Championship Challenge. The Empress Anne-Marie Rickenbach will defend her WCWS YG Championship. And the Iceman, Jared Dietrich, will defend his WCWS 2K Championship in a Wrestling Jeopardy contest. One person, either Anne or JD, will be walking out of the studio, folks, with two belts. So it will be a tremendous bout there indeed. So on that note here, folks, I do want to thank everyone here for joining us here for episode 125 of the WWUS Power Hour. And also, of course, also internally grateful to everyone in the panel, way too tough to handle. Of course, the key NWO, Jawar T. Smith, the Black Widow, Michelle Lynn Dodds, the Iceman, Jared D. Geralmo, the Human Suppress Machine, John Gross, the Empress, Anne-Marie Rickenbach, also the Heartbreak Kid, Fonzie. Uh, <clears throat> As well as, of course, a lot of our other folks who, of course, who are still uh, still with us, of course, in spirit, in the in in WCWS, of course, the JML experience, Ronda Rush Wright, uh, the Big IQ Jeff Teeters, also Mr. Hulkamania Bob Ziegler, the Lowdown Kendrick Smith, Big Diesel Gregory Kramer, and of course, some others that have made their contributions here to us here in WCWS. For all of them, and also for your our listening audience here, folks. This is Mr. WCWS Chad Henshaw saying thank you very much for listening here tonight. Once again, to episode 125 of Power Hour, which is a broadcast of the WCWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com, where we are three years older and continuing to be bolder. The radio network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling connection. Folks, take care of yourselves and each other. We will see you in the ring and also on the red carpet. And as always here in the WCWS Radio Network here, folks, God bless everyone, and we'll talk at you here, of course, here in about an hour and a half with our next episode of WCWS Wrestling Championship Challenge. And to close it out, of course, we'll finish off our opening theme here, folks. Of course, the theme used by, of course, one of the greatest cruiserweights in WCW, of course, also made his rounds in WWE, Billy Kidman. Take care, and God bless here, folks. This is the WWS Radio Network.
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.